0: Since Paula Reed outside the Fulton County Courthouse starts us off, Paula, is it clear why the former president won't just be released on his own recognizance?
1: Well, Anderson Cooper, down here in in Fulton County, the way this works is that. First, you negotiate your bond agreement, then you surrender, and then a judge schedules an initial appearance for you, and arraignment. That's your first time going before the judge. Now, in this case, even though this is his fourth indictment, this is the first time that he has had to post cash bond. He's also subject to a lot of other restrictions that are, are unique, clearly tailored to him, including being barred from threatening anyone else involved in this case, especially on social media, because we have seen him attack judges, prosecutors, witnesses in this case, and this appears tailored to him, because we've seen four other defendants today negotiate their bond agreements anywhere from ten to to $100,000. And while they're also barred from talking to their co-defendants, none of them have this social media provision. So that's five defendants of the 19 in this case, 14 more to go with these bond agreements.
0: And what more do you know about the threats against employees of the Fulton County Sheriff's Office?
1: Yeah, this is significant, Anderson, because these are not the first threats that we have seen down here in Fulton County as a result of this case. Our colleague Nick Valencia has learned that employees in the Fulton County Sheriff's Office have been facing threats to themselves and their homes. Of course, last week, we reported on how there have also been threats against officials, including the district attorney, Fonnie Willis, and even the grand jurors who voted to indict Trump, because down here in Fulton County, their names were published as part of the indictment. Now, we know the FBI is working on some of those threats, but it also appears that today's bond restrictions are part of an attempt to tamp down some of these threats.
0: There was also a new court filing from the special counsel pushing back on the former president's request for a 2026 start date. Jack Smith has asked for a start date of January 2nd, 2024. What more is Smith saying?
1: Yeah, Anderson, clearly they're quite far apart. I mean, the Trump team is asking for a trial date that would be nearly three years after indictment. And it's about two years uh, further out than what the special counsel is asking for. So, today, the special counsel had a chance to respond. And they accused the defense attorneys of exaggerating the amount of discovery and misrepresenting the facts. Now, the ultimate arbiter in all of this is Judge Tanya Chutkin. She is a federal judge. She's been on the bench for about a decade. She was nominated by former President Obama. I've been in court with her on this case, and one thing's pretty clear, Anderson, she wants to move this along quickly. And next week, she said she will set a date for that January 6 trial.
0: All right, Paul Reed, appreciate it. Joining me here, CNN senior legal analyst Ellie Honig, also CNN political analyst, Trump biographer, and New York Times senior political correspondent Maggie Haberman. And in Atlanta, Michael Moore, who, like Ellie, was a federal prosecutor, in his case, former U.S. attorney for the Middle District of uh, Georgia. Um, Maggie, I mean, this ruling now from the judge warning about uh, Trump can't threaten anybody, a witness, um, this is kind of an odd line. I mean, he's running against Mike Pence. If he tweets something negative about Mike Pence where's the line here?
2: We are in unprecedented territory, and we have, I think, you know, grown tired of saying that, but it really happens to be true here. I think we're going to find out where the line is, and I think that we, as we have seen with former President Trump over and over again with his social media feed and his commentary, he tends to test exactly where that line is. We have seen him do it in the federal cases against him. I think we will see him do it here, but you are right. It's a very broad stroke, and so I don't know quite what this is going to look like, what Trump's lawyers have said over and over is that his free speech rights are being targeted, and he is the front-runner for the Republican nomination. It's impossible to divorce all of this from that context.
0: Yeah, Elliot, I mean, he tweeted recently about Mike Pence, you know, calling him little, little Mike Pence, or little Pence, and said he's, you know, gone to the dark side. That's, you know, political candidates intimidate other political candidates all the time. Again, where's the line?
3: Well, that's precisely the difficulty here. I think there's some tweets that are clearly over the line. Let's remember what Donald Trump said on Truth Social about Jeff Duncan, for example, right? Clearly attacking him, clearly connected to the case. But Mike Pence is a little more ambiguous because, as you say, they're engaged in a political campaign against each other right now. And so prosecutors and judges are going to have to use their judgment. But for every close call, like this uh, example with Mike Pence, there have been many that are far over the line. And really, the question's going to be, how tightly do prosecutors and the judge police this? Because everyone in this case has been threatened somehow. But look, you know, I mean, yeah. the former president,
0: he walks that line constantly. I mean, he intentionally, you know, yeah. tw- tweeting out, you know, you come for me, I'll come for you. Again, well,
2: also where you're going to see, and I'm sorry, Anderson, but this is also where you're going to see, and I, tell me if you disagree yeah. with me on this, but you're going to see the difference between what the state judges and prosecutors are going to be comfortable with versus the federal prosecutors, mm-hmm. because so far we have seen, at least in the federal cases, I think a pretty wide amount of latitude yeah, yeah. given so far. They are clearly signaling in Georgia they don't want to do that here. But again, you are talking about multiple cases in multiple jurisdictions. There's going to be a collision.
0: My, Michael, I mean, do you know Georgia well. Do you see the judge there? Um, being tougher on the social media stuff.
4: Well, I'm glad to be with all of you. I, this is a fairly new judge. He's been on the bench for just a short time, less than a year. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how he decides to run it. I, I will agree with this premise, and that is, the the line that's going to have to be walked will be about what he can say politically versus uh, and, and defend himself politically versus what he can do to sort of throw gas on the fire on the on his criminal case, and so. I think that's going to be the danger, and the danger will be the prosecutors filing too many motions or making too many requests to sanction him in some way uh, and then getting shot down. So hopefully they will reserve sort of the nuclear option of having a bond revocation or something like that uh, until uh, he does something that is clearly an overt threat, encouraging people, responding to a, a, a tweet, you know, or responding to something that's politically been said to him, or a challenge that's been made by one of his political opponents, I just don't think is going to be enough, uh, given the nature of the case and the facts that we are in the middle of a campaign. And we, we, there's just no way to divorce this case from that. So once we acknowledge it, I think it kind of guides how we proceed.
0: And, what what is the penalty and what is the nuclear option? He's, You know, Michael well, was talking about revoking a bond.
3: Yeah, the penalties can be increased bond amounts. You can say you have to post more money now. The penalties can include other measures like electronic monitoring, house arrest. This is all in a normal case. Up to and including the nuclear option would be imprisonment. I mean, I don't think there's any realistic chance Donald Trump gets locked up for violating bail, but it happens. It happens in real life. It just happened to Sam Bankman fried as one example, in the Southern District of New York. So. But the the collision here of politics and law is so complicated for exactly that reason.
0: Um, Yeah, I mean, so, Maggie, he's not going to go to this debate. He said he's not going to go to any debates.
2: Yeah and and who knows what exactly that means it was a it was a sort of ambiguous truth social post but I do think that he feels as if he is up in the polls I think the question is going to be whether he can help himself I don't think he wants to go to the Reagan library debate in September we'll see if he does or doesn't but you know he has all sorts of issues with the people who run the Reagan library uh, after that I think it's an open question both whether he would want to go and who will even be on stage at that point look he's not as strong in the first two early states in in the polling of those states as he is nationally i think that the national number uh looks very different but he's still pretty strong in the early states and so i think that his folks are going to stick to that and see you know very little upside in him going
0: you know michael the argument made by you know chris christie others is well if he's weak in in iowa new hampshire if he doesn't do as well there then that's gonna be a cascading domino effect in South Carolina and elsewhere. Do you buy that argument?
4: Well, I think that's probably as much of a wish as it is an argument that he's making there. I I, I see this Trump machine sort of moving forward full speed ahead. Uh, Down here in in Georgia, uh, you've got Trump flags flying uh, up in the North Georgia area, left and right. Uh, And some of them never been taken down and some are new going up. So uh, I I really don't think that the, the, the question will be, his performance necessarily in those other states if it hurts him because I just see him, I think the, the, the primary is his, is his to lose right
0: now. And Michael, we've already, you know, we're seeing threats now against employees of the Fulton County Sheriff's Office. How much does that complicate security concerns around the actual turning in later this week?
4: It's, it's going to be complicated. I mean, remember that law enforcement is, is accustomed to having people make threats at them, they spit at them, they fight them when they get arrested. They're used to that kind of thing. But this is unusual because of the the, the nature of the publicity, the fact that it is so public, uh, and we're already dealing with a situation where the courthouse is basically cordoned off, and it looks like Fort Knox around there, and that's something that they've not been accustomed to either. So from the jail to the courthouse and all of that, uh, the, the coordination between the Secret Service and local law enforcement is going to be important. But um, uh, these kinds of threats are different than when we're talking about threatening grand jurors or threatening jurors. Uh, threatening witnesses I think law enforcement by and large they are used to dealing with people uh, who are recalcitrant and who want to uh, uh, say crazy things and do crazy things that's that's what the nature of their job is um, but this is different in that it is um, it's not necessarily dealing with one source of a threat it's dealing with sort of a source that spreads out its tentacles uh, and causes other people to do crazy things and that's what they've got to watch out for yeah
0: uh, michael appreciate it uh, Maggie uh, Ellie as well thank you so much